Hello, and welcome back to another edition of YCT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Liebau, the president of Yankee Institute. And today I'm joined by Susan Zabahansky. And Susan is not only uh, an, an activist in our state, but she is a small business owner. And she is the owner of Village Pets. And so it seemed interesting for all of us to talk a little bit about someone who not only goes to the Capitol and is active in having a voice in our government, but someone who has real life experience in dealing with a lot of the challenges that small businesses face. And so we feel very fortunate to have Susan with us today. Welcome, Susan. Hi, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. So why don't we start a little bit um, about Yankee Institute met you when you were up testifying about the rent cap. And so could you tell us a little bit about how you came to want this kind of voice in how our state is governed and what led you to that place of of being at the Capitol and speaking on behalf of other people in Connecticut who really understood why putting this cap on rents people would pay, even though people of modest means might think, oh, gosh, you know, this sounds like a good idea. Why it really wasn't a good idea and what you came up there to say. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm very involved in, in the political realm. Um, I've noticed that government has just kept growing and growing. So that's um, sparked my interest in um, learning what I could do. And so I figured being a voice for others um, is one one way to be a participant in our government. Um, and so that's what led me to the Capitol that day. Um, I'm heavily involved with my local um, officials. Um, senator Sampson is my senator, so he's keeps us well informed. Um, and so I certainly that's how I found out about the, the rent cap um, bill that was going to be put in place. And I just, um, I really saw that it's a, an, an issue for um, everyone. I mean, if, if we think we have housing shortages now, um, certainly putting rent caps is going to, um, you know, thwart that. I, I think, I think small, small renter, you know, rental um, companies will not operate in Connecticut anymore with all these kinds of, you know, restrictions. Yeah, because, I mean, people have to be able to gain some kind of return in order for it to be worth their trouble um, to to go into the rental business. And if you say, okay, this much, and they can't even be subject to market forces, and it's set at an arbitrarily low rate, there's just no reason for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my, I I am a renter. Um, I've rented for um, over 10 years um, in, in, my town and and my uh, landlord is a wonderful woman who uses her rental income as her retirement. So um, it it certainly would hurt her if she had. Is she is she out to gouge you, Susan? Is she no, just she's... trying to like oppress you and just sort of goes back and <laughs> sort of throws golden <laughs> coins in the air and says, wah, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, no, absolutely not. She's an actually wonderful woman. Um, you know, we work mutually together um, to to discuss rent. There was a time actually when I, you know, I, I fell on uh, hard times and she actually, you know, helped me out for a month. So, you know, it, it certainly, um, is a mutual back and forth relationship, which should be kept between the two parties and the government should not be involved in any way at, at all. So, you know, for other people who think, you know, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could make my voice heard like like Susan is a little bit. 
I mean, what is your advice as to baby steps for people to get more involved like you did? Like where, where would they get started? So I think it's best to start at the local level because that's what affects us the most. Um, so even starting at, you know, town council meetings, um, board of education meetings, um, certainly is a way to start. Um, you know, I am involved in a grassroots group that educates people on the process of being involved. Um, so we help people, you know, learn about the process of how to approach your council or your board of ed. Um, and so we're, you know, I'm happy to help anyone who, who wants that. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of doing it for the first time. I, I think once you become educated about the process, it emboldens you and empowers you to, to be able to continue being the voice for, for your community. And so what is the name of your group and where can people find it on the internet? Yep. So it's Families for Freedom and um, we are on Facebook. Um, we have we have a private group and we have a public page. We also have individual town pages with towns that I've gone and educated. Um, they've started their own pages. So I just like to educate people at their local level and then have them be the voice for their own towns because, you know, can't, you know, I can't be everywhere and, and it's just best for the people in the town to be active in the town. And it only takes one or two, Carol, it doesn't take many people um, really, you know, if, if, if one or two people lead, then, then people will follow. I think it just empowers people when they see others doing it. And so it we're is, all there. And, mm -hmm. Sorry, Susan. No, I was just, you know, I was just going to say, uh, it is so interesting. Uh, we, we tend, everything has become our focus. What with, you know, cable television and the news channels and everything else, our focus has become so federalized in some ways that it is easy to forget what an impact just a few voices can make on a local level or even a state level. You know, six letters can have a real impact on a state legislator's outlook on an issue. And so every voice really does count, which is one reason why I'm such a believer in devolving power, pushing power down to the smallest unit of government that can handle it, because that way every citizen's voice grows proportionately louder. And uh, and so I think that is such an important insight that especially at the local level, just a couple of voices can have an enormous impact. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way our government is supposed to run. Um, it's supposed to be run by the people. Um, and, you know, certainly I, I think in, in the most recent years when people's eyes have become open to what's really happening, um, you know, with sitting home from COVID lockdowns, um, I think it certainly uh did did really open a lot of people's eyes and they wanted to be involved. And so, uh, you know, it's it's the way government's supposed to run. And we've forgotten about that, especially in the state of Connecticut. Um, you know, government's growing so huge and, you know, people are, you know, are forgetful that we've just kind of sat back because we've lived in times of plenty, as I call it. Um, and I think you just become apathetic when that happens and just say, oh, well, government's going to run. You know, we've elected the people to do what we want. But without that voice um, and influence from the people, I think it just has grown to a, you know, it's, it's a beast at this point, you know, at this point. Well, it, you know, it's interesting because I do think at a certain point, there becomes a tipping point where it starts to take on a life of its own and it becomes very difficult to control and yeah. bureaucracies are self-perpetuating and it's not difficult for them to become unaccountable. And once that happens, you have a real problem. And we are starting to see this really on the federal level a lot. Uh, it becomes very difficult even for the people who've been elected 
to run, yeah. to be in charge of them and to hold them accountable to do it. And, yeah. you know, that that is not a place that any representative democracy ever wants to find itself or should be finding itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's 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 just important to remember our role uh, and 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 I believe our biggest role as citizens is to hold the elected uh, accountable. Um, we've forgotten that, and that's why it's moved to the way it is. Um, and I think with more pressure, you know, and from from the people, uh, like you said, starting at the local level, I think is best because it you know it has become where it's it's hard to control them at this moment. You know, I mean, you just look at any piece of legislation that's passing right now in Hartford, um, mostly all you know, guided by emotion, you know, I, mm-hmm. I really believe that there's a lot of emotional bills that are being put forward and it's, and we're really forgetting the role of government, which is limited. It's very limited to just, you know, the basics. Well, yeah. And, and it's supposed to be because the more limited government is, uh, the greater the sphere of, of our individual freedom is. And the more you let government engage in mission creep pretty soon, things get turned around because of course, as we all know, a uh, government was created to be the servant and the people were supposed to be the master. And now increasingly government's forgetting that and government's starting to treat us like we work for it rather than vice versa. And it's a trend I don't want to see continued because I don't want my children uh, serving and working for a, a bureaucracy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, I have a daughter, um, you know, she's in high school now. And, you know, I try to teach her this every moment I can, you know, I don't have her in the public school system, you know, that's a whole nother beast, <laughs> um, you know, where where this kind of think is starting to happen. And, and we're noticing it more and more. I mean, just going up to the Capitol and testifying, I'm noticing a lot of young people just really don't understand what a democracy is for. And they're turning to government almost as a, you know, I'm going to use this euphemism as a god, you know, and like, save us save us and not thinking that we're, you know, you know, individuals and it's all about individual liberty and not a collectivism or socialism, you know, as. Well, I think Ronald Reagan, yeah, as he so aptly put it, a government that's big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take away everything you have. Absolutely. (laughs) But so you're you're someone who sees all of this also operate in a completely different context as a small business owner. And, you know, that's always interesting to me and important, I think, for us all to hear from small business owners, because you have so many legislators, some who really are uh, tuned in to the unique challenges of small business owners, but too many who really are not. And a lot of their ideas may come from a well-intentioned place, but they have absolutely no idea of how it all ends up coming out in the real world. And I find that enormously frustrating. Um, I'm going to hand it over to you in a second to talk to us about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the things that I just was so struck by um, in my younger days I had the privilege of working for a senator who was the chairman of the Senate, U.S. Senate Small Business Committee. And uh, in that role, I had an opportunity to get to know so many small business owners. And I've never met a more impressive group of people, people who exemplify the best of America, people who are hardworking, uh, you know, entrepreneurial, 
risk takers, you know, people who give everything they have. A lot of the time, these are family businesses. Everybody in the family is involved. You know, they're up at dawn. They work until just all hours because this is their life and they really want to make this happen. And for a lot of people, they're living the American dream. And um, and I found it so frustrating and so demoralizing to see all these, in many cases, needless regulations that are slapped on them because somebody thought, oh, that'd be a great idea. And, you know, it's a legislator who maybe has never met a payroll, never run a business, never understands the impact of some idea they had in the real world. So sorry, I'm done with my little disposition. (laughs) No, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, I I think, um, you know, we do. I mean, as a small business owner, I First of all, I put myself through college um, on my own. Um, you know, I did get a couple scholarships for my hard work in high school, but um, for the for the most part, I paid my student loans. Um, I worked very hard and saved up to start my own business when I was running someone else's business and said, "Why am I doing this? I could do this on my own." Um, and so I did. Um, and that's a risk that business owners take on their own. Um, and we tend to forget that the legislators tend to forget that the person putting up the r- risk deserves the reward, right? Um, you know, it's, for some reason, it's vilified that, you know, a business owner is making mon- more money than their employees. I mean, they had to, they put up the risk every day. They, you know, uh, you know, if, if they, if anything happens and they, you know, the business is sued, obviously they're the ones taking on that liability. They take on the risk. Um, so it's super important to keep that in mind, you know, before we start legislating, you know, minimum wages, um, you know, various things like that. I mean, some people just feel that they need to earn a wage um, that they feel is livable. Um, you know, and I think that just that shuts down, you know, people hiring too. you know, it just creates a. a, a yeah, of course it does. Again. We'll have to we're, we're going to have you back and we're going to do a whole podcast on the minimum wage, because, yep. again, it's it's one of those things that ever, you know, that that sounds like a good idea. Uh, but but in the end, it hurts people, especially the people who are just trying to get their foot on the ladder of opportunity or older people who need income or young people who are just getting started and need that gateway job. And right. so anyway, it drives me nuts. Right. Go ahead. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And, you know, there's other things. I mean, my in in the recent you know last two decades, I, I, mean, I can't even remember, probably I guess it was maybe 10. 10 years ago, not quite 10 years ago, you know, they impose sales tax on my business. So, you know, I own a dog grooming business. So I, you know, now I have to be the state's accountant. So, you know, I have to, you know, you know, collect taxes for them and then I have to pay the taxes for them. You know, it's an imposition. I'm, I'm their accountant. I don't get anything out of it. And as a matter of fact, if I don't file on time, I get a huge penalty, you know, you, so it's, you know, there, there's all kinds of things, regulations that they put forward. I mean, you know, having a breastfeeding area, you know, I'm a small business with two, two employees, but do I really, you know, I, I you know, I know they changed it, but you know, they thought everybody should have a breastfeeding area. Yeah. That's know, great. If you have two employees who are all like, <laughs> you know, 55 year old men, like where's the breastfeeder, you know? know. Exactly. Well, it's today's day and age, Carol, it could happen. (laughs) (laughs) Another podcast. podcast. We'll do another podcast. Anyway. Yes. Right. 
But yeah, so I mean, you know, I think people just do, again, like I said, it's feel good leg legislation. Um, it's not based on, you know, sitting in the room uh, with with the people who are involved. I, I, you know, I think it's just all based on emotion. I really do. I think, you know, at this point, you know, they feel they plan people's emotions and it's working, you know, they're getting reelected, Carol, you know, so you know, educating people, I think is the biggest thing. I think we really need to get out and educate people because they're just giving people little talking points and, you know, to make their legislation sound like it's great and they're not giving them the bigger picture. And I think that's a huge mistake and it's disingenuous to the people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. Is there any other um, regulation that comes to mind that you've, uh, that you've encountered that you just feel like people should know about um, because it just makes um, it just makes your work more difficult or more expensive. I mean, obviously, when you get back to work and you start dealing with it, you're gonna, it's gonna come to mind. But I was just thinking as we're talking, because you know, that breastfeeding thing is such a perfect example of, mm -hmm. of the sort of thing. Like in theory, it's a great idea. And of course, you know, PepsiCo and the Hartford and all of that, mm -hmm. um, you know. Uh, that should absolutely, you know, that, that kind of thing. But what they also don't, um, what they also don't realize is that if they're going to keep their employees, of course, they're gonna, they're gonna have that. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, or, or yeah, the it's, it's a lot easier for bigger, uh, you know, corporations to implement things like that. It puts a huge financial burden on a lot of, um, you know, smaller businesses. So I think, you know, it's a model and I'm not, vilifying corporations either. They have their place and I don't think they should be vilified either, you know? So of course. I, I believe in free market for everybody, uh, capitalism for everyone. And, and I, and I, when people do great, that's awesome. Like we should all, you know, why I don't understand where someone becomes vilified, you know, how much money is too much money to be making as, as a business owner, you know, that's another thing that, uh, you know, well, kind of shocks your, me. your fair share. That's my favorite. I'm just waiting for the day. Somebody will tell me what everyone's fair share is and who gets to decide. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, there are, there are other regulations, you know, there's property tax that business owners have to pay on every single little thing that's in their business. And we pay it year after year after year. I mean, it never goes away. Like the chair that I've had for 20 years, I still have to pay a tax on. So I paid sales tax on it and every year I have to pay. And, you know, that's, that's on a local level. Um, but, you know, we're, you know, we're paying taxes on everything and I have to, you know, file that every year. You know? And so every, every piece of equipment I bring into my business, I have to account for and pay taxes on it year after year. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and it just, it's, it's so unfortunate um, because everything else, you know, obviously at some level you have to, you have to, you know, do something to support your infrastructure and, you know, everything else, uh -huh. but just the sort of ongoing and the increases and everything else. And sometimes, you know, you're, you are, you're tempted to think, am I getting good value for all this? And exactly. that's what I think all of us as citizens, as taxpayers, as everything, you know, should uh -huh. always be thinking, am I getting good for my education dollar, you know? Right. And, um, and I mean, here where I live, I, I feel like actually we do, but too many people in this state really don't. And right. yet, you know, and yet in many places they're paying $29,000 per child and right. the children aren't educated at the end. 
And yeah, I mean, my, my daughter gets an excellent education and it only costs me $500 a month and it's yeah. a superb education. Um, I mean, if you want to go by testing, you know, the kids in her, in her school test in the top 10% of the United States. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's the, you know, right metric metric to look at, but, you know, certainly it's one and, um, you know, and it's, and I literally pay $500 a month for her to be educated. So, yeah. And so, for, you know, it, there's for so, all the vilification of business, if you ran yeah. a business the way you run too much of the government, it would be out of business in a flat second. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, Connecticut's been running on a deficit forever. <laughs> and a Yankee Institute, we love businesses. So, Susan, tell us the name of your small business. It's Village Pet Grooming in Plantsville. All right. And uh, do you have a, an internet presence? Um, I do. Yep. I'm, I'm also, you know, I have a Facebook account and I'm, um, I have a website. It's villagepetgrooming.com. All right. Well, we encourage everyone in the Yankee Institute family to support each other. So it's yep. out there. And, um, and we are very grateful to you for talking to us about your experiences as an activist and also as a small business owner. And uh, we are grateful for what you do and uh, appreciate all that you've done to keep our legislators of both parties on the straight and narrow. Well, thank you very much, Carol. I appreciate you guys too and all your hard work. Well, thank you. Information out to the people, that's most important. Well, that's our job and we are honored to be able to do it. So Susan, Thanks for being with us and thanks to all of you for joining us. And we hope to have you with us again on the next edition of YCT Matters. I'll show you around.